In today's episode, we look at a lot of images and video that the guest shares via screen share on our Zoom conference. So you may want to view this interview on our video Rumble channel at the Collective Resistance podcast on Rumble rather than audio. But if not, here is the audio version. This podcast should not be considered as medical or legal advice. If you are looking for such advice, then do contact a professional. But please find someone that has a brain and can think critically about what's going on in the world today. This is the Collective Resistance Podcast with your hosts, Leo and Fabiola. We will be discussing why we find ourselves resisting the narratives of the common collective, as well as why the common collective resists new information. Fabiola. Hey, Leo. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I've got my uh, white headphones on. My head looks giant in the video. (laughs) My hair looks giant with these black headphones you can't even see it man it goes it blends right in with your and hair and i got new glasses hello yeah they do they look lovely oh thank you so uh we've got another interview for you all today here on the collective resistance podcast but uh, before we get underway um you know, make sure you join the conversation at our Telegram group at the collective resistance podcast uh you can find us on twitter at tcrp12 and um I'm trying to think, uh, oh, and our Rumble channel. So you can just do a search for the Collective Resistance Podcast on Rumble. All of our interviews are available in video as well there. Um, so we just got back from traveling, mm-hmm. okay? So uh, we, we are a little uh, jet-lagged um, going from the East Coast back to the West Coast. Yeah. And uh, uh, but that, that was a whirlwind trip. We're back. We're ready to get back at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we got in yesterday, and uh, here we've got an interview that we're recording today with uh, someone we've been wanting to talk to. So we're going to bring him on shortly. And just to kind of tee you guys up for, for uh, this particular interview, um, you know, we did a series last season called uh, Beyond the Veil, and we talked about some uh, um, topics like uh, uh, Tartaria, Hyperborea, Astrology. Uh, uh, we did uh, Orgon, mm-hmm. uh, um, Organite, just kind of talking about that. And, and uh, we also talked about uh, even the topic shape. of hel- heliocentrism and whatnot. Yeah, yeah um, the shape of the... What is the shape of the spleen? Yeah. I'm hoping we get to explore this a little bit on this upcoming interview as well. Yeah. So so we've got somebody who I think looks at it a little more pragmatically from what I can tell from, from the... Uh, 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 the the interviews that I, I've consumed from him, as opposed to people like uh, Dave Weiss that we had on, who is clearly uh, in the tank for for his ideas. This uh, gentleman's more of a researcher, mm-hmm. uh, as opposed to uh, somebody like Dave who who thinks he's got it all figured out. Uh, uh, we love Dave for what he does, but yes. but uh, 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 he's he's certainly a a, a character. So uh, uh, we'll we'll talk about this stuff uh, when we when we bring uh, Mike Wilkerson, who's the individual we're going to be having on the get on the show today. Uh, any but anything else? I mean, they've got there's some interesting stuff we're going to dive in around uh, petrified. Um, well, what what are perceived as well, petrified? Actually, we are going to inspect 
the mainstream narrative of geology. Of geology. Oh, no. Oh, no. And coming from a family of a geologist, you know, my father is a geologist. Um, this is going to be a very interesting conversation. I agree. I agree. Maybe you can get your dad to listen I to this one. I don't know. <laughs> we can uh, we can have it translated to Portuguese for him so that he can get a better like, uh, so grasp. What do you think about biogeology and most of the stones out there maybe not being made the way that we were told? Yeah. But anyway, it should be really interesting. We're excited because it's a less, um, uh, you know, in the weeds as a far as far as the uh, um, the climate that's happening in the world today with all of the events. This is more of a fun thing to just kind of dive into. I don't know if it's going to be as in the weeds as you're thinking. I think it's going to relate to a lot of what we've been talking about. No, I'm saying I'm saying like it's just not. Uh, um, you know, it, it, okay. I'll just say okay. Okay, I'll just say okay. Fabi and I come from things from from different perspectives, and that's good. I'm we, way ahead. I'm way ahead of Leo. We, we hope you that that makes it entertaining for that. you guys. So, all right. Well, here I'm going to uh, bring Mike on, and then we'll introduce him. All right. Well, Mike Wilkerson is here, and I'm going to go ahead and do a short intro for Mike. Mike has always had a knack for asking unconventional questions. As a teen computer hobbyist turned hacker in the early 80s, his thirst for knowledge led to wild adventures with some of the top hackers in the nation. But in 1985, the fun ended in a brief incarceration after being caught for his infiltration of computer servers at Microsoft and three other Seattle area companies. Though he has walked the straight and narrow since then, Mike's propensity towards questioning the unquestionables has never waned. In the decades that followed, he morphed from a mischievous hacker to a benevolent backcracker for the last 11 years. Mike has lived and worked as a chiropractor on the Costa Blanca in Spain, where his mission is to improve the health of the world one spine and mind at a time. Mike is a father of two, an avid hiker, a health crusader, artist, budding author, and mapper of rabbit holes. He is also a purveyor of the nascent academic disciplines of biogeology and titanology. As a part-time independent researcher, Mike has focused primarily on alternative history, non-standard cosmologies, gigantism, catastrophism, and rapid petrification. He has also devoted a great deal of time to the study of the heart, its true structure and function, and made numerous videos on the subject of petrified heart stones. His extensive research on petrified titans and organs can be found on the YouTube channel, Stelium 7. Welcome to the Collective Resistance Podcast, Mike. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. And uh, just so everybody knows, Mike's got quite uh, the different areas where you can find him. He's obviously, we mentioned the YouTube channel. You also have an Odyssey channel, a Telegram chat group, a Rumble channel, BitChute, uh, you've got a Patreon. You're really well covered. We're going to give all those links uh, in the show notes so people can find you. I don't you. have a link tree, though. I you don't have a link tree. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about trees later, okay, Mike? Uh, Definitely. So um, given that intro, Mike, can you kind of describe for us how you make the transition from hacker to chiropractic doctor and biogeologist and also maybe define biogeologist for people that may be a new term that a lot of our listeners are not uh, uh, you know uh, as familiar with 
Yeah, well, it's a term I made up, so it's not something they're going to find in any. <laughs> we found it on Wikipedia. We did find it on Wikipedia, and I was like, I'm not sure this is it. Yeah. It's on Wikipedia? Really? Yeah. It is a thing, yeah. But it's really a fake. Really? It is really a fake description, I have to say. Uh huh. I haven't even yeah, noticed. Yeah, you it. have a, have a much better out. description. Yeah. No, I've, I I like to coin coin words that I think are needed that don't <laughs> exist. So that's one of them, and. Uh, the other was Titanology. And oh, I love related. that. <laughs> <laughs> those are both related to, to subjects that I've been looking into for the last four or five years. And um, yeah, how, how did I make the transition yeah. from hacker to, well, I had to, I had to, um, I had to get away from computers because I knew if I, if I didn't, I was going to get into more trouble and I, <laughs> and I knew it wasn't a good idea. And, the whole, you know, the the climate was changing and so were the laws and, and everything was becoming far more uh, intense when it came to prosecution and, and the, the penalties. So um, I have a, a great story to tell from that time period and I've nearly finished the book and um, I have a couple of videos on my on my channel, a couple of interviews and some little short clips that, that touch on it a little bit, what happened. But um it's it's definitely um wasn't something that i wanted to keep doing <laughs> so, but as as the bio said um you know i was very curious as a teen and and that curiosity has never waned and um i've told the story many times that my father gave me a couple of books when i was young and um, they really kind of set the tone for looking at the the world and and you know the the geopolitical power structures and everything with new eyes and and those books were behold a pale horse by william cooper and another called the emperor wears no clothes and i, I oh. forgot the author's name um and those to to people who are not familiar with them they're kind of you know old standbys when it comes to the uh the conspiracy books and uh yeah and so I already, when I was young, I, I knew that, um, you know, a lot of what you saw on the mainstream TV wasn't uh, wasn't accurate, and you know, politicians couldn't be trusted, and a lot of government agencies were were in cahoots with corrupt people, and so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I bounced around and did a lot of different jobs uh, over the years after after that, uh, everything from sales and stores to. I did real estate for a little while wow. um, and uh, worked as a waiter for about a decade in hotels wow. and restaurants and eventually went back to school and um, got a, a degree in Italian cultural studies, a four-year degree from the University of Santa Barbara. Um, they didn't offer a classics degree, which was really what I was seeking. I wanted, I, I had no clue what I wanted to do with myself. I, I knew I wanted adventure and I wanted to learn more about the world and uh, you know to um to do that my mom had convinced me that the best way to do that was to get a degree and it doesn't matter what you do you can travel after but if you just get your degree you know, and, and <laughs> yeah. so, and it's a good thing she did because in the course of of doing that i decided to study abroad because i wanted to learn a foreign language and i knew i knew that i wouldn't learn a language uh, at home because i just didn't have the the self-discipline to like pour over the book. So I figured if I just immerse myself in it, I would, I would be able to, to do that. And um, so I moved to Italy as an exchange student in 97 
and uh, and then eventually got back into tech after that i was i worked for ibm for a very brief time they didn't know anything about my past <laughs> they, knew, they knew about my past but they didn't know that part uh, you're a, like I i'm, I'm a, edward uh, snowden thank you <laughs> <laughs> i i got a deferred sentence when i when when the punishment was was uh meted out and uh so I didn't actually tell them, and they didn't ask. So. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so you know, Mike. Yeah. Uh, uh, given the uh, uh, the um, that there's a lot to dive in around your bio, is there a way to focus the conversation related to alternative history, non-standard cosmologies, catastrophism, and rapid petrification? Are these all interconnected in your mind, or or are these kind of all separate? Yeah, actually, the you know anyone who goes to my channel that isn't already familiar with a lot of different subjects like what you just mentioned and other other things that we'll talk about later i'm sure um you know they would probably just assume that you know i'm the crazed conspiracy theorist with the cork board and all the circles <laughs> and the lines and the, you know and it's like this is connected to that and that's connected to the, you know and 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 that's how hollywood always wants to portray these kind of people who are questioning and pulling back the veil and are not interested in in just you know blindly accepting whatever the mainstream narrative is at the time um and i forgot what i was going to say about that well oh, <laughs> you're just talking so about they, it. they yeah. might not all be connected is that where you're going <laughs> yes yeah well that that was where i was going with it is that as you start to dig into these things they really do dovetail in ways that make a whole lot of sense but the amount of work that you have to do and study and, and subjects that you have to be familiar with in order to begin to understand how they all relate to each other is huge. And most people don't have that kind of time. Mm -hmm. And even if they're chunking it, you know, by taking YouTube videos in their spare time, they're just getting little bits and pieces. So you have to read so many books, you have to right. really, you know, take in a lot of information. So, um, yeah, where to go from here? Well, um, let's start talking well, about the hard. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we can, we can do that. Yeah. So, um, well, I moved I moved to Spain uh, about eleven years ago and uh, to work as a chiropractor. I went to after after Italy. I moved to Sweden and I went to school in Sweden to become a chiropractor. I was there for ten years, and uh, my family. I have two kids and uh, my partner is Swedish and um, and it was wonderful there for, for a while, but I, I was really longing for a more California-like climate <laughs> and I missed the mountains and I wanted adventure. And so we uh, uprooted our, our kids and, you know, moved to moved here to Spain. And I lived here for six or seven years before uh, I started to get onto these subjects, which we'll we'll be talking about this evening. But uh, along the way, around 9/11, about a, a year before 9/11, I, I started uh, reading David Icke and um, going through some of his stuff. It was the first time I'd gotten back to the topic of conspiracies for a while because I kind of I went through this phase of like. Do I become a prepper and move to the mountains in Montana? Here you know, we are. Paranoid. Oh, there. Yeah, yeah. Do I become like them? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, or uh, am I just going to go on and, and live my life and try and do the best I, I can to, you know, help people and make the world a better place? And, 
And so that's one of the reasons I chose chiropractic. I knew I didn't want to live my life in front of a computer, even though I could have made a, a lot of money doing that probably. Um, and um, so I feel like your came... your life is my alternative reality. Like I turn into like my life in front of a computer in the mountains. <laughs> and you went right. and did what you yeah. wanted. And yours is mine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's... Uh, yeah, so 9-11 came around uh, right around the time my daughter was born. And because of the books that I had been reading, I just kind of been taking, taking up these subjects again because I was starting to really get curious about what's going on in the world and, you know, who's behind what. And uh, so that was a real eye-opener. And uh, I saw through the BS of that event, you know, from the get-go. And uh, the more I looked into it, the more I realized that none of it held up to scrutiny. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. weren't just... There weren't just problems with some of the story. It was like none of it held up. And uh, so, um, but again, I just, I decided I was going to focus on, on, you know, more concrete things that I could do to help, help people and uh, to spread awareness and help people when it came to matters of, of health and, and nutrition and, and uh, lifestyle and, you know, along the way, the, the people who are more receptive, I, I, you know, dropped little nuggets of other topics that I think they might be interested in. And um, so um, would you share it all began? Yeah, go ahead. Mm -hmm. And then once you no, go ahead, once you're done, would you share? share your video on the heart that you have your you little, mean that little one minute video? Yeah, the one minute video. Sure, yeah. we can definitely do that. Um, yeah, well, uh, let me just let me just preface it by saying so um, my best friend here, uh, uh, is a very unusual character. His name is uh, Alex Michael. He's also known as the conspiracy music guru, and affectionately known as the as the flat Earth man. Oh, and, uh, so we like him people, already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 flat Earthers. <laughs> but, uh, people often wonder if I'm a flat Earther, and I and I'm I'm a, I'm. I prefer the term globe skeptic because it's less um, it's Incendiary, less tri yes. triggering and it's less um, algorithmed. We are yeah. we're definitely going to talk about that. You know, you know. Yeah, because you know, because I saw early on, especially when you know when when Google went to Congress and specifically said that they were going to be going after subjects like that. Yeah. That uh, okay, that's a good way to get all of this research that I've done on my channel yanked. Yeah. So. It wasn't that I was avoiding it. It was that I was taking my time and, and you know, trickle feeding. And even from my first video, people who are aware, you know, kind of could, could clue into where I stood on things. But a lot of people don't really understand. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, globe, globe skeptic, I think, is better. I think ultimately that it's really a false dichotomy between sphere and flat. And it's just a way of getting people arguing amongst themselves. Yeah. And that really the, uh, the nature of our reality is is far more complex and majestic and fantastic. You know, especially our 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 history of this realm. On on that yeah. topic, I I something that dawned on me before right right before we 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 had you come on was that you know we did an episode uh, a couple weeks back about ivermectin, and you know ivermectin was like the never met him, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was like the antithesis of of the pandemic and the vaccines. Right. And, and we've like come to, I mean, we've always kind of been in the, 
the skeptic of ivermectin because we just don't believe in big pharma at all. And and so, okay. uh, so so you know, we did an episode two weeks ago about you know is ivermectin really the other side of the same coin? And so so I was thinking here, I was like, I mean, I'm I'm wondering if flat Earth, as it's being portrayed, is the other side of the same coin. It's really just to get the people arguing. And then we're not really talking about what's happening, you know, not necessarily in the middle, but on a conjunct plane or something that is what's, what's really going on. And so that's why I was really drawn to you. Cause you seem like you're much more pragmatic and you're like, look, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I mean, here's what I'm piecing together and I'm, I'm willing to look at more information and all that. And so, you know, we, we had like flat earth Dave on and, you know, he's completely sold, right? <laughs> There's a video on my on my channel. It's just a three minute video, and it's um, what's crazier than flat Earth, right? <laughs> and it's and it's Dave Weiss yeah. talking about my, my research, my channel. Oh and it wow! Is, it is hilarious. You got to see that. Oh wow! Uh, he was know, I, met, I met Dave. I met Dave in Denver in 2018. He's he's a lot of fun. Oh um, yeah, he was. Well, a lot two of fun. two things came to my mind when you were talking. One was that you know the best way to control the opposition is to lead it. Right. Know? So you're always going to have if you know that information is definitely going to leak out or you want to control the timing of when it leaks out, you're going to have agents in place and you're going to, you're going to do your best to, to uh, control both sides of the coin, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so have you seen the space busters stuff? I've uh, seen some of it, not all of it, but we, we've yeah. actually featured uh, their stuff around. Um, they did a great one on Ivermectin and, yeah. and, and then the we featured Kung, the Kung flu. Kung flu. <laughs> Kung yes, flu. yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, and also, what is it? The death of contagion or something mm-hmm. like that. I can't. He's got some incredible documentaries, and they're they're fact filled. And uh, I think you'll find them on BitChute or Rumble. They're no longer yeah <laughs> right. no longer available on on the tubes of you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So if you could yeah. share the heart video, and we yeah. can talk about yeah, the heart a little that. bit. Sure. So let me. First, share my screen because because I was wondering, I'll share like like uh, with this heart thing, it, w- was there something that you saw that that was just like boom? Because like I know like when I saw Dr. Judy Wood talk about you know the potential directed energy weapon on nine eleven, I was just like, I mean, I was a little bit mm. taken aback, and then when I read her book. I was just blown away. I mean, how, how thorough she was. And so that was kind of the, that got me really going into a lot of this. And I wondered if you had a moment like that with this. Now this is more the yeah. biology. The, okay. The two, I was just going to say the two of you are talking about two, two yeah, different we subjects are. that are, that are interrelated. Definitely. Um, yeah. for what you're talking about, and I'm sorry, I don't even, I don't, yeah, I don't know your name. Oh, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm Fabiola. And I'm Leo. Leo. Okay. Yeah. I knew Fabiola from yes. the emails, but okay. Leo. Yes. Yeah. So Leo, you're taught what you're talking about is um, what I've taken calling petrified organs. And yes. Well, we can get into that in a bit, but uh, Fabiola was talking about this uh, heart video. Do you see the Leonardo da Vinci quote? Yes. On my mm-hmm. screen. Yeah. I, I just, I love this. I just came across this today for the first time. I've never seen that before. So you want to, you want to read thought, that? Leo? Yes. This yep. is, let, let me read that here. If you find from your own experience that something is a fact and it contradicts what some authority has written down, then you must abandon the authority and base your reasoning on your own findings. Leonardo da Vinci. Right. Right. And so this is really important because 
you know, using the scientific method is all about empirical evidence, right? And and if if your empirical evidence is contradicting a mainstream narrative, what what do you do? Do you throw out the empirical evidence, or yeah. do you throw out the narrative? Exactly. You know, so empirical evidence always trumps theory, right? Mm -hmm. right. That's that's a very important thing. So this video I'm going to show is is really about how um, empirical evidence in relationship to the to the nature of the heart um, was delivered to us by a, a cardiologist named Francisco Torrent Guasp in. Um, I don't want to blow people's eardrums out, but let's, I can let's adjust see. if it's too loud. Is that? Let's see. I have my. There we go. All right. Um, yeah, so um, Francisco Torrent Guasp in 1972 delivered us the empirical evidence that should have completely destroyed the mainstream model when it came to what we were taught about the heart and its nature and how it functions and its anatomy. Because we're taught it's this four chamber pump that, that, is, that is firing off and it's pushing the blood out to the, the blood vessels of the body and you know we're told that we have somewhere between 60 and 70,000 miles of blood vessels in the entire body and and this this little pump is supposedly pushing that blood out and then it's just working its way back passively and filling up the other side of the heart to be pumped out again mm -hmm. and this this cardiologist had uh, a lot of problems with this theory uh when already when he was in cardi in school to become a cardiologist here in Spain, of all mm -hmm. places. So, wow. um, yeah, so there's a lot of very interesting synchronicities that, that surround this work by this man. But let's let's just play and um, let's see, is it full screen? It yeah. looks full screen over here, yeah. There we go. And... Did you know that almost everything you were taught about the heart is wrong? Most everyone today, even doctors, still believe the heart heart to be a four-chamber pump that pushes blood through a mind-boggling 60,000 miles of narrowing blood vessels to fuel our 40 trillion cells, then filling again as if by magic on relaxation. Well, that theory was thoroughly debunked by the Spanish cardiologist Francisco Torrent Guasp back in 1972. After dissecting thousands of hearts, Guasp finally discovered the heart's true structure. The heart's far more amazing than we ever knew. It's like a rope a long tube wrapped into a knot. Instead of being pushed, the blood is pulled through the heart in two spiraling vortexes. This has been proven with CAT scans, functional MRI, and positronic emission. Look at the spiraling contraction. It changes everything we know about the heart and circulation. If you'd like to know more, check out these videos. Very cool. Very good visual too. I like how he how he. Uh, for those of you just listening, yeah, he uh, uh, unwraps the heart, and you can really see what he means by it being a a rope that's just uh, uh, kind of twisted over onto itself. It's very uh, very intriguing. Yeah. So we're starting with the bio part of the heart, right? So you went to chiropractic school, and I looked into going to chiropractic school, and it was a big pitch at the time that they said they actually learn chiropractors learn more about anatomy than actual MDs learn Oops. about. 
All right, where were we? Well, so 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 we had that visual of them unraveling the heart like a rope, um, and so so uh, very compelling, very interesting. And and then did that all just fall on deaf ears? His findings? Yeah, yeah, he was m much maligned for many years and mocked, and uh, he had a couple of prominent cardiologists that really like went after him and you know did their best to to muddy the waters when it came to what he was trying to share. And it wasn't until 25 years later that a Spanish or that an American cardiologist um, was speaking to him at, at a cardiology convention and he explained what what he had discovered and it blew the guy away and he started talking with other people and that was when it really started to take off and and um, I think he was nominated for a Nobel Prize but he wasn't he didn't win it and you have to be alive to win it so um, yeah, but it, uh, it was it was monumental. It changes everything we we understand about the heart and how it functions. And <laughs> so, how do you think that happened? So, our our podcast really started off the whole like virology research. I mean, we heard Cowan talk. I heard him talk one day, and I'm like, wait a minute. It was right at the beginning of the pandemic, and I said, mm. if everyone is every expert out there is wrong about this are they just lying or are they just they don't want to see it i mean and and then we find out about the heart we read um tom cowan's book um human heart cosmic heart mm -hmm. and we're like how does that happen in scientific circles like you are in the chiropractic uh field because because it's an old boys network yeah, and it's all about narr narrative control. And when you trace it back, you get to the Rockefellers, and you get to, you know, families in England, and you get to societies like the Royal Society, and and it's all about gatekeeping and and narrative control. I mean, that's that's why. <laughs> and, and so, where's the money? Also, the, for research, it's usually into you know things like pharmaceuticals, and and so if you or, you know, if you're, if you're going to do something in physics and you're going to say Einstein was wrong, how far do you think you're going to get when it comes to <laughs> research and funding? But do, but do you, you know? think there is an underbelly of, uh, uh, maybe that's a the wrong word, but where a lot of these, these doctors, physicians and, and scientists, they actually believe that there are these alternative um, paradigms, but they're just like, look, you know, this is what we operate in. And if you try to go out of it, they'll just beat you down. But yeah, I agree. You know, th but they just don't want to come forward. Or do you think they literally are just talking themselves out of even seeing it? I think some are corrupt. Some are in it for the money. Some are afraid to speak out because of the consequences. You know, they'll lose their license. They'll lose their livelihood, they'll be blacklisted or, you know, shunned by their colleagues. Um, and then I think a great number of people, especially when it comes to matters of health and the pharmaceutical industry and its influence on our lives that are doctors and nurses. And what I think ultimately a lot of them are, are I, I coined the term paradigm blind because yeah. they've, they've grown up within a, in a certain framework of, of how the world works and belief structures and they understand that there's corruption and there's you know problems but they they've never really considered the possibility that major fundamental aspects of the things that they believe might be wrong mm -hmm. and might be intentionally wrong mm -hmm. and and so that gets into oh how could so many people be 
you know, coordinating deceptions on, on that kind of a level, somebody would surely, you know, be a whistleblower. <laughs> you know, well, Hello. How does that work? How does that work? How does that work for Assange? How does yeah. that work for Snowden? Yeah. How did that, you know, it doesn't matter if you're sharing truth, if you are, um, you know, blowing the whistle, you know, you, you might end up being a martyr rather than somebody who really changes the way things are, are being done. So I think paradigm blindness is a big one because people, um, you know, the, the idea that science is settled, the science is decided. Anytime you hear that phrase, you should just immediately assume it's wrong. Yeah. yeah. Run. <laughs> because the science is never decided. That's not how the scientific method works. Anytime they say there's a scientific consensus and that all, all of the scientists are in agreement, they're lying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's it's obviously a lie because no no time in history have all scientists agreed on anything. You know, yeah. they say get get four scientists in a room and you'll have 20 different opinions. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. So so it's um you know, in fact, when it comes to COVID, there's there's four doctors in and of themselves that could just completely destroy the 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 mainstream narrative. Yeah. Um but even that is is you know potentially a false dichotomy because then you got the works of Andrew Kaufman and Tom Cowan and mm -hmm. Sam Bailey mm -hmm. and you know these others who are who are mm -hmm. questioning contagion as a whole right but even if you believe in contagion and you believe that viruses exist um you know you've got you've got people like Kerry Mullis who the inventor of PCR, PCR. Mm -hmm. not the PCR tests but Polymer, polymerase chain the reaction, process, the, yeah. the method by which you can amplify material. Mm -hmm. And he specifically in multiple interviews said it should never be used as a, as a test because mm -hmm. of all of the false positives it yields if you overcycle it, Yeah, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is exactly what was done, you know, mm -hmm. through, through the pandemic. It's also the first time that, that you've got uh, huge numbers of healthy people being tested to find out if they're sick. Yeah. We used to call people who were symptom free, like, what do we had a word for them? What do we call them? Oh yeah, healthy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, AIDS right? was the first, right? A right? AIDS was the first wave, and then now yeah. And Kerry Mullis also itself. called out Fauci in his nice uh, role in that whole thing yeah. when it came yeah. to AZT. And is it possible that the treatment might have brought on acquired immune deficiency symptoms? Right. You know, rather than rather than. Uh, the HIV, virus, which no was one. What was postulated yeah. because the science was decided. Yeah. Right. And then you you look back on it, you find out, oh, there's a lot of fishy stuff on that subject. You yeah. know, then you got Robert Malone. He's another one of the four I was I was going to mention. The, you know, one of the in inventors of the of the mRNA technology. He's been screaming from the rooftops for at least two years now and banned from everywhere, every social media there was to ban him from. Um but and, he took uh, the shot. <laughs> I, yeah. I worry about, yeah. so I worry about again, Malone, again, Mike. it's like you get back to, you know, how much of this is narrative control and yeah. how much of it is gate, gatekeeping. And uh, it's really hard to know. And then you've got uh, Yeadon, you know, with, uh, yeah, with, with Pfizer. Pfizer the, the Which he came level. around. He came around. Yeadon came around. Has he come around to the, yeah. the whole, mm. are viruses even a thing yeah. thing? Well, he seems okay. open That's to it. He, he doesn't, he's still in that camp like he doesn't 
think that it's mm. that important, yeah, which I find and, I find a weird stance that oh, it, it's not important if virus is yeah. real or him not. Him and Christine Massey <laughs> yeah. exchanged several emails. You probably heard of Christine, Ooh, right? I, I didn't hear Christine Massey. She was the one that started the work know. sending all the FOIA requests around the world, ah, asking. Yeah, for, that was incredible mm-hmm. work. Yeah, yeah that was yeah. done here in Spain as well. Yes, the yeah. Spanish government actually admitted admitted in in. Uh, whatever it was, parliament or whatever, wherever they do their thing, that it had never been isolated in any laboratory mm-hmm. here in Spain. Wow. So that was pretty, that was pretty interesting. That is astounding. Um, but Leo, you had a good question to ask him that kind oh, of... Oh, wait, let me just finish yeah. the fourth, oh. Uh, the oh, fourth yeah, which please. is Peter McCullough. You know, I think he's the most published yeah, on, on uh, cardiology. cardiologist in history. You know, he was also banned from everywhere. So those four doctors just within themselves, you know, just, just as a group is a, is enough to completely annihilate every aspect of the mainstream narrative. And the fact that they were systematically censored from every mainstream platform tells you what's really going on in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the question you had, so we, we talked about the bio now let's talk about the oh, geology. Yeah. Yeah, so go, yeah. So going back to the, 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 um, the cardiologist. This is it's fun to do it in this order because I usually do this kind of origin story kind of thing. It gets boring telling <laughs> the story in the same fashion. Um, but the way that I came across Francisco Torrent Guasp's work, his discoveries about the myocardioventricular band, which you saw in that video, it literally unravels. Yeah, I've never seen that before. That was wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that is what I consider to be um, self-evident. It's undeniable once mm-hmm. you've seen it for what it is. It's mm-hmm. not a trick of the lights or, 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 or fiddling with statistics on a research paper. This is like, hey, this is how the heart is really structured. I figured it out. They, they wondered for, for centuries. The heart was referred to as the Gordian knot. You know the Gordian knot? I have not heard that, no. It was, it's, uh, it, the, the myth is that uh, it was this massive knot that had been made in Persia somewhere, and the story was that whoever could solve this knot would then be the king of Persia or something. Like <laughs> wow. That. Okay. And I, I might be getting details wrong, but the, <laughs> the, the the story is, I think that uh, Alexander the Great came, and he was confronted with this knot, and the way he dealt with it was by taking out his sword and going. <laughs> and just slicing through the thing. It's like, okay, I guess he's king now because the knot doesn't exist anymore, right? Well, that's that's you know how it should have been for Francisco Torrent Guasp, the Paco Guasp, many call him, because Paco should have been king of cardiology at that point when he made right. that discovery. Um, and already he had theories about the vortexing flow of, of, of blood, which was also in that video. Um, but it took him many years before he had uh, the evidence to, to show that he was actually right about the things he was theorizing about. And that, that, uh, is also mentioned in that, in that short video. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, the, so the way I came across his work was because I had done videos on, on what, um, I took to calling petrified organs or petrified heart stones because, um, in the course of starting to look at at all of geology with new eyes after seeing a bunch of different videos, I, I did a bunch of work on uh, examining and reporting on a mountain that's here in, in the town that I live in that uh, I, I did a six part series called Unveiling a Titan. 
which is all about that. And we can talk about that after, but, um, and then in the course of doing those videos, I was walking in a river bottom at one point and I found a stone and I picked it up and, and it became very obvious to me within about a minute or two of looking at it because it was so unusual that it was a petrified heart, but it was four times the size of a human heart. You know, a human heart is about the size of our fist. Mm -hmm. And this was, this was like this, you know? And um, so I saw it and I'm like, wait a minute, there's, there's the corona artery opening. There's the, there's the coronary sulcus. There's the fat that sits below the coronary sulcus. There's the aorta and the vena cava openings right where they should be. And I could see inside there's chambers inside. Like it was, it was mind blowing. And already off the, just seeing it within a couple of minutes, I recognized about eight different features. Mm -hmm. Now that's, that's already a lot. If you're considering mathematics, like what are the odds of Statistics, finding a yeah. rock that looks like, looks like a heart and, and then has like seven or eight or nine specific anatomical features that a heart would have in the right place. Mm -hmm. Now you're, now you've got a like, wow, yeah, <laughs> that's already kind of, mm -hmm. kind of crazy. So I got that thing back to my office and I pulled out my anatomy books from school and I started looking at the anatomy books. I already knew the heart's anatomy pretty well from college. Um, but I, you know, looking at the, the details of the different structures, I found several more features. And then eventually I got an endoscopic camera and I got in there and I started looking inside the chambers and there were additional features, not just the chambers themselves, but features in the chambers. So wow. that that one stone is up to over 20 anatomical features. So now, Mike, you're, um, you're saying like the stone, um, it wasn't solid. You're saying there was a hollow aspect to it or. Do you have a picture? No, it had chambers inside. I can bring the stone. Oh, yeah. yes. Even better. Yeah, that'd be a great to have that visual. So one thing one thing I'll say about this is is already, I, you know, I was already looking into things you know, the idea of rapid petrification when it comes to, um, you know, things petrifying or fossilizing in a much shorter period of time than we were taught. Because in the mainstream geological narrative, they tell us it, it happens in time frames of tens to hundreds of millions of years. You can ask and my dad about that. He would tell you. <laughs> yeah, he'd tell me all about it, I'm sure. You yeah. know, the Cambrian and the the Jurassic and all these different periods and you can look at the layers and you know how old things are by which layer they're in. And, you know, right. you know, you've got all these different fossils and, and there's your ammonites and there's your this and that. So, um, and we're, we're all, you know, even in high school and, you know, lower grades, we're taught that you find the bones, but, but you don't find the soft tissue because that all gets broken down by birds and, animals that are eating away at it and larvae and bacteria and whatnot so so that um that that keeps you from ever finding like petrified soft tissue mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. except in only the rarest rarest conditions right yeah. and and uh so um i one of the things that got me onto the the scent of the mountain and and starting to look at the mountain was was this idea that that maybe some of the cornerstones of geology aren't 
written in stone. Yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't you do know. that now, did you? Okay. I did just accidentally come up with it. It was, it was not awesome. I haven't, I haven't used that line before. So. Um, yeah, but you, you know, the, this, uh, there, there are some real interesting things that, that are up for debate. And there's a lot of claims that are made about not just, not just geology, but physics and cosmology and basically all the ologies are up for grabs because they've been messed with. That's my take on it. And and when you start to realize, Hey, we've been lied to about this and we've been lied to about that. And we, and you have actual proof and evidence of lies. Mm -hmm. At some point you have to take a step back and you have to go, wait a minute, just about anything could be a lie. So you become real suspicious and then you just start believing everything's a lie. But you know, you, (laughs) the problem is a lot of times the truth is mixed in with the lie and there's inversions and there's, you know, it's, it's truth in plain sight, but if they don't say it right out. So there's all these different possible scenarios. And uh, so anyway, this, this is the stone that I found in the river bottom and uh, right off the bat, see how see how it's white but then there's all these red spots Mm -hmm. so so everywhere the red is or the white is worn away it's revealing the red underneath and you Mm -hmm. can you can really make that out here yeah if i were to if i had this wet right now it looks like beef it's very it's very meaty okay yeah and and so so the interesting thing is the heart is covered with a white fatty sack called the pericardium and mm-hmm. it's the thickest of the fatty sacs in the body oh wow and so the uh all of the all of the organs have these these sacs but the hearts is, is is the thickest so a lot of the stones that i found um are are white in this region mm-hmm. and and that's just because the the circumstances by how they they form determines their color okay so there's a lot of factors involved and I don't even understand them all. I ha- you know, you have to get into the chemistry of it. And, um, and I have a, a friend who's a PhD in molecular chemistry. He's working with another guy. We're trying to come up with some real solid theories on how this can happen, because what we're really talking about is see there, they, we know that petrified trees exist. That's not, that's not, up for debate, right? Yeah. There's even a national they're, park they're there. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the petrified trees is, is it's clear that biology can become stone, but they're giving us time frames of hundreds of millions of years. And the way in which they explain that is, is through pear mineralization, which is basically that the trees are, are surrounded in something like mud or ash and water and different, different substrates that are around the, the, the tree. And then over long, long periods of time, the minerals work their way in and the gas and the, and the, the liquid works its way out. So there's a substitution that's taking place. Mm-hmm. Roger Spur from Mudfossil University, he calls it nucleophilic substitution. I think that's the, you know, the official term. It's not his term. Um, but, you know, so, so we know that biology can petrify to stone, but they're just giving us these long, long time frames. And uh, so the... Um, I'm just going to that. Um, oh, how the petrification can be quicker than what we've been told. Is that what you're... Yeah. It'll come back to me here in a second. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, so like, like I don't know much about petrification, but but um, is there no way to tell 
something that's petrified compared to just standard stone or like from a, from a, from a, uh, experiment ah, standpoint, thank you. your question brought me back to okay. what I was going to say, which is that, that, um, you know, if you look at the periodic table of elements, we're told that one element doesn't transmute into another, unless you've got like nuclear reactors or inside the belly of suns, because that's where we get our periodic table from starts with the simple elements, hydrogen, helium in these big, you know, supernova, Right. suns and then and then eventually they explode out into the universe and then it's you know they're seeding the universe mm -hmm. with these these particles and the bigger the sun was the greater the the gravity and then and then that leads to all this formation of these different elements and that you know that is also pretty easily uh debunked that may also happen but to say that's the only way that elements come about is is not accurate because we know that for example, trees can transmute elements. So if you put a tree in a pot and you measure all of the, the, you know, the soil and you weigh it and all you give it is distilled water and sunlight over a long period of time, it's going to grow and take on mass. Well, where's it getting it from? Right. 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 Distilled water has no minerals. Right. <laughs> You've taken right. the minerals out. Yeah. So, um, so that's one example. And another, my favorite example is, is the egg right a chicken is eating its seeds and its whatnot throughout the day and then every day it produces an egg and that egg is made primarily of calcium mm -hmm. well the calcium that's in the egg is greater than the calcium that's been taken in by the chicken in its diet wow so where's the calcium coming from that's a it's, great question it's coming from a transmutation of the element mm -hmm. so biological tra biological transmutation is a thing but I believe also that there's there's um, violent forces that can cause transmutation. So just like we can melt things and change their their molecular structure, you've got the possibility that high high um, high power electrical events or plasma events or heat events, um, you know, are are also very likely leading to these kinds of things. So that mm -hmm. ties into some of my my theories about this that we can go into later, but let me just show the rest of this so, so I can put it down. But so this, this has got the pericardium. It's got, it's got the fleshy underneath and everywhere that this is, is gone. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. This is the, um, it's backwards here, but this is the coronary artery opening. And there's a little indentation that follows this line. Right. And that's exactly where the coronary sulcus is. Where <laughs> and then across, if you yeah. look at a whole bunch of hearts and I can show pictures in a little bit, um, there's there's very often fat right here. So this you've got pulmonary artery openings. This is known as the isthmus, which is the, the, the between the two sides of the openings. I have a picture for that I can show as well. And and then right in there are the there's these little bumps that stick up. Those are the remains of the papillary muscles, mm -hmm. which are the muscles that are pulling open the valves. OK. Mm -hmm. And then inside there's more. And then on the back, right where it should be is your aortal opening. <laughs> wow. Right? And, and your vena cava. Wow. Right? So, so that's a whole lot in one rock. Right? Yeah. Uh -huh. Well, well, you know, thinking of the scientific method, because it was like, whoa, I didn't even know this was, this was possible, but, you know, it makes sense based on what I'd been learning about, you know, alternative narratives when it had to do with geology. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought, well, if this is a real thing, 
it should be repeatable. I should be able to go out and find others that that exhibit these these features, and and that's what I did. And I, let me let me um, well actually before I'll, I'll just show you once we once I kind of finish ex explaining the basics of this, I can put it on a video and just show how many of these stones I've found because it's it's unbelievable. So it took me a while, but I started to recognize that there's a reoccurring pattern where the, the stones take on a, a harp shape. And the harp is like, if you think of, if you think of the, this as a heart, there's, there's flaps that are on the top and then the aorta and the vena cava are coming off of the top. Mm -hmm. Well, those are hollow and thin. Mm -hmm. So whatever the event was, and I theorize that it was a very violent event, th this isn't paramineralization because I'm finding the organs separate from the bodies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. wow, which yeah. is weird like why would you you know I, okay if there was a body there that was petrified and you had an organ that would make sense but why why would the organ just be like sitting there in a river bottom by itself right it wow. doesn't it doesn't make any sense yeah so you remember the video the francisco guasp video where he rolls the heart back yeah. up when he does that, that was, oh, that was the story that I, that I forgot to finish. <laughs> sure. so how, I, how I got on the subject in the first place was that, um, see, well, I found the Heartstones before and I started making videos on it. And then at one point, someone in a comment section said, the heart is a rope. And I was like, okay, that's weird. You know? and, then, <laughs> and then someone else was like, the heart is a rope. Check out the helical heart. And I was like, the helical heart? I'd never even heard of it. So I saw, I, I looked it up on YouTube and I found this documentary about the life of Francisco Guas, which was just fantastic. You yeah. know, and I mm -hmm. saw this and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I didn't know anything about this. And I'm a chiropractor who studied a lot of anatomy in school, <laughs> right. you know, like, why didn't they teach us this? This is amazing, you know? And, uh, and then they, they had his later discoveries, which had to do with the vortexing flow. They were able to prove it with functional MRI. They were able to prove it with positronic emission. You can see both of those in, the, in that video. You, they, they proved it with CAT scan as well, where they, they, blew, they blew a cow's heart up with gas. And then, and then they did CAT scans as it was expanding and CAT scan as it was shrinking. And they could see that there are two opposite rotating spiraling vortexes in the muscle fibers. Wow. But the, but the blood, the, the fluid in the, in the bloodstream is doing the same thing, right? right? It's spiraling in the same fashion. So they were able to actually witness the, the, the vortexing of the blood flow eventually with different kinds of imaging techniques. So his theories were proved unequivocally and, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and most cardiologists today still don't know about them. Wow. Cardiologists. Yeah. I would say 99% of the doctors don't know about this at all. So I made, I made a video. I don't think Peter life. McCullough knows about that. <laughs> <laughs> it would be interesting to know. It would be does. an interesting conversation, right? But well, so I you, reached out to, I reached out did? to Tom Cowan. I guess that's how you found me, right? Yes. That's how I found because, you. Yeah. Because I read his, his human heart, cosmic heart book. Uh -huh. And the first thing I did when I got that book in the mail, because I was like, oh, man, this guy's totally tuned in and turned on and uh, loved the stuff that he was doing through through the pandemic. And um, so I um, immediately uh, ordered his book and I knew he was coming from a, a Steiner background, yeah. Rudolf, Rudolf Steiner and, and the you know anthroposophy and everything. Yeah. And Steiner knew a lot about the heart. Yeah. And one of the things that he said, I can't remember the other things. He said, in order for a person to really wake up 
to the true nature of what's happening in this realm, uh, you, you need to do like three, these three or four different things. One of those things was to know that the heart is not a pump. Really? Wow. Now, I didn't know that. Yes. I didn't know he said yes. that. Yeah. And so this also <laughs> ties into the work of um, Victor Schauberger, you know, the Austrian uh, heard of Tesla him. of water. Yeah. He, he, was, he, he was the one that really knew more and taught more about how water functions than, than just about anybody. And uh, so he was, you know, it was all about vortexing as well and temperatures and different things. So mm-hmm. um, now, now, Tom Cowan... Okay, go ahead. His, his, yeah, so I, I, um, I ordered his book, and the first thing I did is I went to the index. Like, right. Francisco Guas wasn't there, and I'm like, well, you must know, you must know about him. You yeah, know? yeah, like, yeah. How yeah. could he have written this book? Yeah. He knew about um, Frank Chester, who was the the discoverer of the Chesterhedron, which mm-hmm. ties in very, very much to the heart as well. And that was, it was all about that in the book and, and uh, even got into heliocentrism in that book, which was a little bit. Yeah. 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 So, so I reached out to him and um, it took a, it took a while, but I finally heard back and, and he's the only person I've ever interviewed. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I've done a lot of interviews because of my research and my backstory, but um, I really wanted to talk to him. And so that, that interview is on our, on my channel and it's, um, it's called uh, "Is Contagion Real?" Yeah, right. And, uh, it was a really fun, fun conversation because we touched on viruses, we touched on GWASP and and the nature of the heart, and then in the end, we got onto the this subject of the the heartstone. So, mm-hmm. so in that you... video, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, you're going to no, share I, I... the pictures of the heart that you had, so we could compare with the stones. Yeah, let's do that. So. Let's see here. And then Leo had a good question about direct energy weapons and the theories behind what you were finding. We would love to hear that. Yeah, well, directed energy weapons, uh, pyroclastic flows, which are, you know, these ejections from volcanoes that can be, they can be up to 1500 degrees Celsius. They can move at the speed of sound. Then you have plasma events, you know, that, that could be a, a real thing. Um, volcanic activity leads to lots of uh, electrical activity in the sky. If you've ever seen major, you know, the, the lightning and thunder uh, uh, around a volcano is off the charts and that's plasma also. Oh, wow. So, okay. you know, are those things get, that can lead to petrification and transmutation? And if so, could that potentially destroy the outer portions of the body as the heart and the other organs are being hardened to stone? That was mm-hmm. my theory because I found the empirical evidence first mm-hmm. before I ever had any, it wasn't like I had some crackpot theory and I was going out cherry picking, trying to find, you know, evidence that, that proved my theory. Cause that's what I've been accused of is that, Oh, you're just finding the rocks that fit your harebrained idea. And you, you right. want to, you know, want to believe it. And so you're looking hard enough and you're finding it. And that's not what's happened at all. Okay. <laughs> quite, quite the opposite. And, uh-huh. and uh, yeah, you talk about out bit, live. You talked a little about that phenomenon, you know, of, of finding the data that, that kind of suits what you're doing versus continually looking and making sure that there are uh, uh, differences features. Or, or features, you yeah. know. And challenging uh, your own theory. Yeah. And, right. And, you know, trying to break your own theory. Yeah. That's you know, what that's, science that's is what, about. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> right. 
So let's yeah, see it's those. Supposed to be, it's supposed to be repeatable. It's supposed to be scalable, ideally, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and, and these are that that's how the scientific method works. So, uh, yeah, let me just show some pictures here of uh, things that we've already been talking about. And um, here we go. You see, you see my yes. blank, uh, web browser now? Okay. We do. Uh, let me just, there we go. That's Mont Go. This is wow. the mountain that I've done all the research on. And notice how nicely placed this cave is so that it looks like the eye on a big head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is affectionately known as the elephant here in Spain uh, by, by the locals. And uh, yeah, so we come back to that. So this is just looking at the heart. This is what's known as, as the uh, interventricular sulcus, which is where those, those heart fibers meet. So I talked about it being a knot. So if you, if you roll up a fibrous or, or a rope into a knot, you're going to have fibers going all kinds of different directions. It's not just going to be parallel lines through right. the whole thing. And those, those fibers meet in certain points mm-hmm. in the heart, and that, those are called sulcus lines. Okay. So all of this up here, I, I theorize is, is burned away because it's hollow and it's just it's the, the blood vessel of the aorta and the vena cava and fat. And then these flaps here, which are the atriums of the heart, those are sometimes there, but they're, you know, they're part of the stone and sometimes they're gone. And so that's why you get this harp shape to the heart. Mm-hmm. The other thing is that when the heart is contracting, it tapers in right on, on the sides because of the the contraction of the heart and oh i'm can you see can you see me yes you yes i can you. see you're, you're you, very so. small in the upper corner but we yeah. can see you yes. okay all right well <laughs> yeah so so there's a contraction inward when the heart contracts and then there's also there's a, a spiraling because of the vortexing of the heart that we've already talked about the heart fibers and the flow is spiral in nature mm-hmm. so if you look at the heart from the bottom as it's contracting it's doing this and so that's that's uh, that's what we're seeing in this stone. Uh, I'll come back to the stones in a second, but let me just show a little more. So this is that that sulcus line I talked about, the the, the coronary sulcus. So the coronary artery would go along here. Mm-hmm. And and that's just what a heart looks like. So this is this is what they look like when they're not as fleshy. You can mm-hmm. see this, this fatty area here and here mm-hmm. and and the overall color. Mm-hmm. And these are the lines again. These are the atriums that I was just describing that are flaps. So all of this upper portion is is gone in in the vast majority of these. Mm-hmm. This is what the blood vessels themselves look like. A lot of the stones that I've found have these these fractal like blood vessels in them. Oh wow! Look at that. Which are which are visible. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. So this is looking from above down mm-hmm. and this is, uh, let's see, I can't, that's the left ventricle. So this is from the front and this is from the back. Okay. And um, so you see there's these telltale lines that the heart exhibits. And it wasn't until I saw the work of Francisco Torrent Guas looking at his, his myocardioventricular band and I saw him roll it back up that I realized that a lot of the stones that I had already gathered that were matching the other anatomical features had had these lines. <laughs> right. And, wow. and I was just like, whoa, wait a minute. And so I went into the 
I went into the, you know, the collection and I started looking at them and a lot of the stones that I'd already gathered had those lines in exactly the right places. So it was just a further confirmation. Mm -hmm. This is the isthmus that I was talking about, mm -hmm. which is where you have the openings. Yeah. And then there's that line between the openings. And I have a picture here wow. um, of, of that up close, which I'll show. Okay. And, and um, here's another of the, of the blood vessels. Cool. And so, you know, a lot of these are bone white. Mm -hmm. And ironically, when it comes to the heart, um, most of it is actually fascia. And a lot of what gives it its red color, you would think that would be muscle. Like when you take a, take the, you know, the, a, a filet muscle or something, you know, mm -hmm. from, from a, for food, it's, you know, it's white and then you'll get some white, I mean, it's red, but you'll get some white lines through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But actually, they're actually growing. Let me just make sure the sound isn't on for this. They're actually growing um, hearts in matrixes now, and um, they're they're basically growing them, and then they're bone white. They're like ghostly white, yeah. and then watch what happens as they as they introduce the blood to this. Oh wow! Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Right. So I think this is why I'm most of most of the ones I'm finding here because of, you know, whatever happened in this part of the world, mm -hmm. <laughs> it was big. And there's a lot of evidence of that. Right. Um, the stones I'm finding are are bone white, most of them. But I'll, I'll find some that are that are pink, like this one. If mm -hmm. I if I wet this under, you know, underwater, it, it will be it will be, um, you know, a lot more colorful. But um yeah, so the, the, these are just different things that along the way I'm like, I puzzled over it and I'm like, why is it this way? Mm -hmm. And then I started to realize, you know, that there were, there were reasons. So if there's some kind of a massive electromagnetic event, then, uh, you know, isn't it possible that maybe the iron that's in the, the heart could be pulled out? Mm -hmm. and, and that would explain why some of them are white. So these are photos that you saw in that one minute video. Let me, I just want to show one more thing here before I move on. So this is an elephant heart. Wow. <laughs> and that huge. is a giraffe heart. So yeah, it's huge and it's a blob it's, and it's round. Mm -hmm. So the, there's, there's big variations in, in overall shape, mm -hmm. but the themes are the same. You have the sulcus lines in the same place and the aorta and the vena cava are in the same place. So even though they vary dramatically in overall shape, mm -hmm. like that one's shaped more like a, you know, an arrow, an arrowhead. Mm -hmm. And this one is, whoops. Uh, oh no, this one is the one. And this is more of a round blob, mm -hmm. you know? So really I, I've got a, um, a heart stone evaluation list that I've shown in a bunch of videos that um, the basic, it's, it's all the basic anatomy. And then so that people can, you know, if they find some something, get that one off the screen, you know, they can start looking at it and they can, because a lot of people will find a rock that's kind of shaped like that. Mm -hmm. And they just immediately assume it's a heart. And I'm like, you gotta, there, there needs to be more, um, deeper vetting. You, yeah. <laughs> deeper vetting before you just assume and make a claim. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are the, those are the fleshy ones. Now let me show you 
it's a theme that that is reoccurring over and over and over again mm -hmm. and it's uh it's very easy to find these once you have the eye mm -hmm. i just had a friend who's who's uh just gone to india and he came for a visit and he really wanted to see these stones because the last time he was here we didn't have a chance and so he came to my office and i started showing him and the, the different features and how to spot them did you see that one how how take take a look here so it's not just the harp shape mm -hmm. it's it's got they, they they'll often have uh indentations or openings or a crease at the top so if the heart has been under compression the blood vessel will be closed and then you'll get like a little slit mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and or you'll get a an opening or sometimes it's just an indentation or discoloration but it'll always be at the top where the flat portion is or slightly on the back side and the way you can tell the back side this is the back side is that they curve inward. So this is the front. The front will be faceted. Mm -hmm. it, it'll probably have those lines that I talked about. And then um, one side will be thicker than the other. And that's because the ventricle is, is thicker on one side than the other. So you have one side that looks almost like a knife edge. Mm -hmm. And then the other side that um, that that is um, is taper or is, is thicker. Mm -hmm. So, and it has a curved underside. See that? that curve mm -hmm. yeah there's your there's your knife edge mm -hmm. and then if you look at it from the bottom uh, I, I didn't show it from the bottom there but this one i think i do you see how specific that is mm -hmm. and there's yes. your sulcus line and yes. you got the indentation at the top right where it should be hopefully i show the bottom nope i didn't show you know what i think when i made this video i hadn't discovered that yet uh, that's a that's an, an amazing thing so let me let me just show you i'll, I'll stop um sharing for a second where's the so can you see how it's like a propeller twist? Yeah. If you look at a propeller. Uh-huh. So so that's a very specific find, right? You mm -hmm. got the harp shape, you got the faceting of the front, you have the knife edge on the side, mm -hmm. you have a fatter other side, mm -hmm. right? You have indentations. In this in this case, it's an indentation and a discoloration that you can see mm -hmm. at the yeah. top, yeah. right where it should be, mm -hmm. right? And then this one isn't really showing any of the the flesh or the lines or anything, but it's definitely showing the propeller twist at the bottom, which yeah. is exactly what the heart does when it goes into contraction. I can show it's in the it's in that one minute video. So you know here here again, there's your sulcus line, right there. There's your your indentations and discolorations. These are even red. These two, if you if you put it underwater, mm -hmm. really? of your blood, of your of your of your vena cava and your aorta. Wow. Then you've got, then you've got another sulcus line on the back, mm -hmm. and then see the twist. Yeah. At the bottom. So how many features is that? That's like, from a mathematics perspective. Yeah. You know, to to accuse accuse of cherry picking. Well, if I go out live and I find a bunch of these, you know. And then, and then they'll say, well, that's just how rocks break. You know, mm -hmm. they, 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 they've uh, they've broken off of bigger pieces because that's the mainstream narrative is that that you have your sedimentary layering. Things have been compressed over tens to hundreds of millions of years. Mm -hmm. And then lumps of clay have gotten compressed in those layers and, and created rocks that are between sedimentary and more metamorphic, but are not fully metamorphic stone yet. Mm -hmm. And then because of tectonic activity that breaks off 
and then you have a fracturing of those different pieces of that of that layer and then those pieces then are tumbled roll around river erosion sea sea ro- erosion mm-hmm. rain you know wind all of that stuff Whatever right and that's happened. why they're getting smooth and 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 that's how this is happening that's the official story of, of how these come about mm-hmm. and and I just ask anyone, like, based on what you've already seen, does that really make sense? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, that that through random erosion, you know, you're going to get this one again if underwater is just, you know, it's just a beautiful. Mike, I have said for years that uh, I, I think that if if we could meet a statistician and 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 walk them through a lot of these things across virology, across, uh, you know, all these these different topics and say, OK, well understanding that some of these things can be explained away what are the or 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 they're maybe not as firm on their own what about the existence of all of them together how what what does that look like from a statistical perspective but i've never i have never found uh anyone interviewing a statistician and probably a statistician doesn't want to admit those things for the same reasons you know what i mean you could you could interview a card player or a backgammon player (laughs) good point yeah because because i i played a lot of backgammon in my life you know it's throwing the dice and it's like what are the odds that i'm going to get the role that i need what are the odds that i'm going to get that role two or three times in a row you know like i need double sixes three times in a row to win well, one time is one in 36. Twice is twice, you know, like 36 yeah, times yeah. 36. I don't, I don't know exactly, but it's like already the second time, you know, it's like exponentially it's more difficult, massive yeah. jump, right? Yeah. So, so if I if I say, okay, I want you to go out and find a random rock. I want it to be shaped like a, a harp. I want it to have uh, uh, in the fatter portion on the top. I want it to have indentations or an opening or a crease. I want to have lines going in this particular direction, the length of it on the front and the back. I want it to have a, a, a twist at the bottom. You know, it's like every time I add something to that list, it should become incredibly more difficult to find. Like how hard is it to find an egg shaped rock or disc shaped rock? The, you know, every beach is littered with them, right? Mm-hmm. But to find something that has all of these specificities and to see that it's it's matching so perfectly with with heart anatomy, that's when you have to start wondering what's going on. So this one I sliced open. We I got a video yeah. called called Slicing Heartstones. I've had them CAT scanned. I've sliced them and polished them. I have one video um, called Broken Hearts Tell Tales where I go out into the field and I find the exact same kinds of stones with the exact same features and I smash them against rocks and break them open and you can see that a number of them have chambers inside. Some of them are white on the outside, but when they break open, they're red. Right. <laughs> right? You know, it's like, hmm, that's interesting, you know? And, and uh, some of them have uh, the remains of the papillary muscles. It, it, it's just, it's nuts how many of, of the the synchronicities are, are lining up. So, so this one I went and, and you can see again, there's that, the knife edge, mm-hmm. there's your, your fatter side. There's a slight curve to the underside up here at the top. There's your creases for your aorta and mm-hmm. your vena cava at the bottom. It's not so pronounced, but you can still make out the twists. Right. So I sliced this one open and, um, 
I'll show you the polish side first because this is, um, well, you, I don't know if you can really appreciate the color there, but mm -hmm. it's, yeah, it's it. reddish here. Mm -hmm. And you see that? That's quartz, and, it's, and it's a, it looks like a tube. And I didn't polish the other side because I wanted to save that tube because oh, it's very pronounced and it's going the length across, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that, that I theorize uh, in, in biogeology <laughs> and titanology, one, one of my theories is that all, all the different kinds of fat petrified to quartz and different oh. kinds of quartz, depending on, on the composition and depending on the prevalence of blood, so you can have quartz that looks brown red and you can have quartz that looks bone white and everything in between and and so ligament tendon um uh disc um fascia all of this stuff in 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 my theory petrifies to quartz and so the outer portions that's why they're white because it's surrounded in the fatty sac the pericardium mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then then you're going to have blood vessels inside. So that that's a, you know, that that's just another one of many. So now, do that, you that, that theorize in this past or whenever something happened, a cataclysm or yeah. whatever, you theorize there was no, uh, there was no stone, and everything came from, you know, biological material. I'm starting to get to the point where I'm wondering if what is stone is 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 there really any stone or is it all just biology that has become stone and obviously we can see lava coming out of mountains yeah. right we can see volcanoes actively producing lava mm -hmm. that lava flows mm -hmm. it and 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 it's all you know mishmash and curvy mm -hmm. doesn't doesn't cool in straight lines. Right. <laughs> right, right. Right. Going back to, you know, we were talking about Devil's Tower. I can't remember if we'd started the recording. But I don't, I don't think, so. think so, yeah. I don't think so. But, you know, those Devil's Towers, a lot of people think it's a tree stump. Mm -hmm. Some people think it used to be a mushroom. Uh, some people, uh, Roger Spur thinks it was a, an Achilles tendon of a, of a titan. Mm -hmm. um, there are all these different theories about it. And uh, they're they're interesting to ponder i think it's most likely tree stump mm -hmm. that's that's my best get guess mm -hmm. um but the mainstream narrative on it is that that those those uh, basalt columns were from cooling lava that was subjected upward and then cooled magically in this honeycomb hexagonal <laughs> columns hundreds of feet in the air right. and i and i say wow that's a that's a wonderful fantasy nice fairy tale <laughs> Show me any example of it happening on yeah. video. Right. Show me any example of an in-between. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Where where you've got the basalt and then right next to it is is the non-hexagonal cooled lava. You know, mm -hmm. it's it, there's there's so many things wrong with that, uh, and it doesn't make match up with our, ex Anything, our empirical experience. Reality, yeah, like the, the virus <laughs> yeah. story. So if you were to paint the story, um, that created these petrified hearts. I mean, if you were to paint what this plane is and how the story happened at this point, because I know that's probably changing, ever changing with your discoveries, what would that story be like? 
did it happen like 200 well, years ago or did it happen thousands of years ago? <laughs> yeah. Well, when it comes to the, the Hearthstones, I've, I've coined a, uh, well, well, I call it boiled egg theory. Boiled egg theory. Okay. And, uh, you know, if you think about a boil uh, an egg, if you crack it open when it's fresh, it's liquid inside with the yolk. <clears throat> and then you put it in boiling water for 10 minutes and, and it hardens. Mm -hmm. Well, it's surrounded by a shell that's protecting it. Well, I'm finding a bunch of stones that in a wide variety of ways look like petrified hearts. And most of them are, are they have a white outer encasing. And then when you open them up, they're, they're a different color inside. So I'm not finding them in the bodies. So that means the bodies had to be destroyed in one one way or another. Right. And so, and you think those are all human, or do you think it could be different species no, of hearts? No, I have I have them all sizes. Actually, let me put that on. Um, share screen again. Yeah, maybe as long as we don't share video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe we shouldn't do that because we've. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll. I'll. Good idea. I'm not. Gonna I mean, it's okay. Else. Yeah. I. I think. But uh, you. You found though many different sizes. Mm -hmm. And. Uh, yeah. 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 So the. Um, I mean. Let's see. I'll just. Uh, you think you found some for... Titan hearts too, in the area of a Titanology, speaking. I found. I found some that were as big as multiple feet. Um, and there's really? a lot of theories about different mountains around the world that, um, you know, that it might be, um, you know, that, that like Ayers Rock and is that the one that's red that's in, that's in, um, in Australia? I have not heard oh, of that Oh, yeah. I thought that was a tree stump. This is what I was going to show before, just showing that. You know, you've got the white outer layer, then you've got red, and then this is turning to what would eventually become mud. And that's the breakdown, I think, of the, the muscle. And then you can see that, that it's quartz crystal here mm -hmm. oh, on the yeah. outer portion. Yeah, yeah, look at that. So that's that, that's that first one I showed, this one. And mm -hmm. uh, I have, you know, many examples with, with you know, this isthmus and then uh the the chambers here here's the isthmus again and the openings mm -hmm. and this one is really fascinating because the other side it's got the aortal opening and then down here this portion is broken off and it's showing the the ventricle which oh, is the, wow. the bigger chamber <clears throat> so there's um this one i have in my office this is a foot and a half long whoa there it is again <laughs> and you see the tapering in mm -hmm. and then this is the backside. So you would expect to find like a sulcus line maybe or the aorta opening on the mm -hmm. upper back. Mm -hmm. And this is the back. There's your aorta. Right there. Yeah. <laughs> and there's your there's your sulcus line right Whoa. where it should be. So, you know, find one like that. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, see the see this rock, it's very clear right from the get-go that this is fractured. These are straight lines. Mm -hmm. These rocks, this one has a fracture. These rocks don't exhibit fractures. As soon as they're fractured in any way, you can you can tell right off the bat that it's um that it's you know it's been damaged. And these are these are complete. This one is showing blood vessels. Mm -hmm. So there's you know I could <clears throat> I could go on and on. I found them very big. Um, so these are Titan hearts in your 
opinion? No, well, a titan, titan is a is a creature that is like the size of a mountain. Oh, okay. <laughs> you so know, that you, would be you got giant. These would be more like giant's hearts or mm -hmm. the heart of some very great animal, elephant, giraffe, or something. Okay. Um, you know, something that is is a lot bigger, but they're also very small. So to answer the question, that one, these are. Can, you can see that it's oh, this wow. reoccurring theme. These are this one might be a centimeter in size. Mm -hmm. and you can see even the small ones are very detailed and often have the the uh, blood vessel openings in just the right places. So mm -hmm. uh, and the sulcus lines, like you can see it there. And these so, are found all around the world, not just in your region. Although in your region it seems like there's a yeah. lot. Yeah. If I go to my um, YouTube channel, I can show you a few of the the best. Um, and you know what might be good is if we or if we play videos, we just don't go back to non you non sharing, and then it won't kill the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems to be the problem. Yeah. It, it wants me to share all the time. So that's the Da Vinci quote that I shared. This is just a fun picture. You could, like Oliphant. I think this is from Tolkien. Um, and I, I share a lot of stuff. Here's petrified brain. Oh, and to me, wow. this is another. This is another of what I would call self-evident proof. Uh, I thought it was going to go big there. It didn't. Um, but yeah, so you can see here, brain is made of fat, right? So mm -hmm. brain, mm -hmm. in my theory, is going to is going to petrify to crystal to quartz. Wow. And you can see this is crystalline, and and it is fully. It started to to become entirely quartz here mm -hmm. and lose its form. And then here's another, this is a petrified whale brain. So people who say that there's no evidence for soft tissue in the fossil record uh, petrifying don't know what they're talking about. There's lots of evidence for it. Wow. Um, and, and there's also examples of like um, in Italy in the 18th century, there was a guy named uh, Girolamo Segato Mm -hmm. and another named Paolo Gorini, mm -hmm. and they both knew how to petrify flesh. So this oh, is wow. this is stone here. And um, I have no idea how big this is, or even if it's stone, but it's listed as a petrified mushroom. This, I start to question, was this once meat? You know, they, it's right. rose quartz, but it sure looks like meat. It does. And this is definitely stone, and you can see all the different layers. Mm -hmm. So it looks like the side, you know, of, of the the wall of a belly of a, a whale or something. Yeah, a big you piece know, of bacon. Like, but here, here you can see how red this one got. Mm -hmm. And is um, that Devil's you know, Tower? Yeah, it looks like Devil's. It's <laughs> not. This is, yeah. this is no. This is uh, Devil's Post Pile, which. Um, I think it was in California, if I remember, but oh, I'm not sure. Okay. And uh, I just found this so fascinating because you can see the grain, you can see the the you know the curving of the grain, and this is you know a tree doing the same thing there. Wow. Um, this one was fantastic. There's your sulcus line. Mm -hmm. You can see how how fleshly, and here you can even see the muscle fibers. Yeah. yeah. The ones I get here, you, you they got hit. <laughs> yeah. You don't see the muscle fibers in them here. But this is the backside, and you wow. can see how many that's exhibiting. This is sent to me by by a subscriber. Um, this one here is is pretty cool as well. Um, you know, you can just see this chunky, fleshy portion here, yeah. and yeah. it's got the same kind of swirls to it. Um, and there were a couple more, if I remember correctly. 
but Mike, if we were to go back, because I know uh, we're 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 coming up on 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 time, but if we were to come back and say like the ramifications of this from a overall uh, worldview or realm view, what 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 are your thoughts on that? What can you pontificate for us? Did this happen? It was a worldwide event. It happened everywhere. Or this is maybe several resets. You know, because we talk about the Great Reset I'm now. Trying to stop sharing. The- well, I, you don't have to stop sharing if you don't okay. want. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I mean, in mainstream geology, they tell us that there are like five great dying off. So, so you've got, even in the mainstream, you've got this idea that the world was very, very different once upon a time, and then everything died, and then that happened again, and then it happened again, and so we've got we've got these. Um, these stories, we've got all the mythical stories like Medusa, you know, turning things I to stone know. just by looking at them. We have Cthulhu, which I think is really a, a metaphor for uh, what may be a plasma apocalypse where there's like major resets that take place in the realm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, there's, there's a channel called Archaics where he talks a lot about the Phoenix event um another channel named jade dreamers has done a lot of work on the the uh what he, he calls it the plasma apocalypse there was a guy years ago talking about the emco event which was some electromagnetic plasma something or other changeover event i mm-hmm. think is what it stood for so a lot of people have toyed with this then you've got thunderbolts project which are talking yeah. about electric universe theories uh and that <clears throat> fits in nicely with those i think Mm-hmm. Um, you've got all the mythic tales. You have the mythic tales of, of Titans, of, um, of the, the great trees as well. You know, the Norse mythology, Yggdrasil, the world tree. If you search for world tree, you'll get all kinds of amazing, um, you know, amazing drawings, but the, the trees is definitely one you can know for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the work of hangman, 1128 is somebody that I featured a lot on my mm-hmm. channel or I, because he's done so much amazing work uh, when it comes to <clears throat> exposing the, the truth of, that, that the great trees existed and not just from the perspective of, of Devil's Tower and these different plateaus or the stump looking mountains, but actually showing the, the mountains themselves and how um, every, oh, I can, I can just show a little bit of um of his his work because it's just absolutely amazing yeah that'd be great and um i mean the just the mountain alone mont go would take a whole um show probably because i think the the (laughs) the 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 titans discussion is interesting because i know you know there's been a lot of um content about you know the 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 giants that that uh the anunnaki and all of that type mm-hmm. of stuff and and but but then really what we're talking here from titans is much bigger than that oh wow look at that right <laughs> so this is one theory the devil's tower was a was a fungi and it's you know it looks it looks very similar mm-hmm. um nice. could be i'm not going to say no i'm not certain about the stumps i mm-hmm. i i lean towards tree when i when i look at the surroundings and i look at the details Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, what you're talking about is, you know, we've got, we've got trees that were, this would be the outer portion of a stump that's no longer there. So mm-hmm. this, would, this would be like just a tiny portion of the outer ring 
This is mm -hmm. in Colorado, right? Yeah. And and so that's what Hangman has has done. He's gone. He's gone. He's, this is called the flat iron. So this would be the sloping upward, and mm -hmm. then eventually it would start to go like this. So we're talking about like you know trees like in the movie Avatar that yeah. were miles miles wide and stretched even higher into the sky. And it sounds it sounds crazy, but we know that petrified trees exist. Here's examples of them. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, then this is somebody else looking at how much it looks like a stump, looking at the fibers and looking at the, the cross section of different kinds of plants and showing how that this is how things grow. So, I mean, which makes more sense, something like this or lava cooled jutted upward and then you know hardened and columns. you know yeah. um so when i see this i see i see tree i see grain and mm -hmm. it's like okay well maybe it just looks like that that would be pareidolia right that's right. what when you look at something and it looks like something else and you assume that it is that mm -hmm. well this is these are just examples of big stuff but this is <clears throat> this is hangman's work here his footage and he's showing this is petrified to stone. This is also stone. And then he's got other sections where it's like stone, stone, halfway stone, halfway wood, and then wood. And he breaks it off and it's still got the fibrous bending of the wood. Wow. So it's un it's unequivocal self-evident proof that he's that he's finding the you know the the evidence for the great tree. So if you look at something like this on a tree that's 10 miles wide and stretches, you know, you know, eight miles wide and stretches 20 miles or more into the sky, mm -hmm. this is going to be a, a chunk that's going to be 100 feet wide, mm -hmm. this little tiny piece here. <laughs> and then they break off in a, in a very particular pattern. And when they break off, you know, you could you could easily like walk between these and you would be a you'd be a midget, right? Yeah. You would be you'd be tiny in relationship to these blocks. Mm -hmm. Well, there they are same exact thing yeah and so. when you get on the sides of these you can see the grain and then not only that but all the pet i talked about things petrifying to quartz uh all the different kinds of fat that are in the body including blood blood plasma is made primarily of fat mm -hmm. um so so that's going to petrify to quartz crystal as well well so does sap you've got amber which is one kind of sap but you're going to see other examples here in a moment. So here it looks like, you know, a wood pile and those are broken off of the, these and mm -hmm. it is just very clearly wood. Yeah. So this is a piece of wood that, that hasn't petrified and you can see this, this shape that, that it takes and all the different ways that it can break off. Mm -hmm. You oh, know, yeah. and when you, when you really understand that, then when you start to see, here's, here's other examples of all the different manifestations. So these, this would be one of those. So this is a tiny piece of a branch. It's not even a trunk, right? Mm -hmm. And then, and then this could be fifty feet wide. That's right. how big these trees were. Wow. And and you're going to see some evidence for that in a moment. Because so so in order to really understand the complexity, you have to understand like all the different ways in which grain goes, and and the um, you know the growth rings, knots. Um, there's so much like look at the complexity in just this and all the different kinds of materials that would be found mm -hmm. it's not just going to be one thing it's going to be a bunch of different things yeah. and when you start adding in sap and all the other things that the trees produce remember we were talking about transmutation of elements before 
Mm-hmm. The trees are do- were doing it. They produced. He's he's got so much evidence for the trees having produced probably all, well, most, if not all of the periodic table was was wow. coming from these great trees, and I think Titans as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really focused on his own work because he doesn't want to muddy muddy the waters by you know confusing people. Mm-hmm. But so I'm I'm just going to breeze through this. So this is sandstone. And, and this is this is the root structure of the trees. And this is soft. You can, you know, with primitive tools, you can carve out holes in this. And, mm-hmm. you know, if it's something that's 20 feet high, you could maybe make a room, right? Wow. So you get a lot of these different, these different uh, examples of how, um, you know, people have, have made these dwellings. These, it's, it's just phenomenal. So mm-hmm. let me get to, to some far more convincing stuff here. If that doesn't convince people <laughs> like th- this is, so this is just going to be like, if you think about those little pieces again, mm-hmm. this is going to be one fiber on the piece. And this is going to be a next fiber with a slightly different color. Mm-hmm. And then another fiber, you know, that's the size we're, we're talking about here. And then guess how it erodes and breaks down. The sandstone becomes sand. Right. <laughs> Oh, wow. So then there's where we get all our beaches and we get all of the, you know, the mud and all the different mm-hmm. things that make up our realm. And so this is all eroded by water. And he, he shows this. He's got some proofs for this that are really fascinating because there's aggregate stone here. And you'll see it. Um, you know, here you can see the, the grain and here it started to erode and it's lost its grain. And then here it's turning to sand. So you get all the different stages of it. And uh and then this is this is what I was talking about. So the when the great floods came, so first the trees were destroyed, then they laid for a long time and they rotted. It doesn't matter whether you read the Bible or the Book of Enoch or other mm-hmm. mythological tales from other religions mm-hmm. or or just myths in general. Um, you're going to find these tales uh, of the great flood and of these gigantic beings. And so this is these are stones that that were deposited and hit with other mud that then turned to stone. And if you go on the other side of this thing, it's not there. So you can see the actual direction of the flow of the great floods mm-hmm. by examining this material that is not the tree. Mm-hmm. So here's an example of it on top that was deposited, but this is the sandstone of the tree. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just incredible work that he's done. Um, Hangman 1128. So you can imagine if this was bigger, then this could be carved out because this is your soft portion and mm-hmm. you could make dwellings in here. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's got a break in it already and you you just, you know, inhabit that somehow. That's that's Mike up there. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, amazing. Yeah. So here you can see the lines are still there, but it's just breaking down and this is all going to be sand. Mm-hmm. All right. So now let's get to the real amazing footage here. Um, so, I mean, just take a look at these. It's exactly what, what oh, we wow. saw in the smaller wow. portions. Yeah. Wow. And you can see, you can see the grain in it. Mm-hmm. You can see the finally, you know, they tell us this is all formed through, through sedimentary layering of, of dead life that laid down over long periods of time. And it created all this incredible detail. Well, that that narrative falls apart when you've got some that's stone and some like this that's still wood. 
Mm-hmm. And and he breaks them off and shows that it's still wood. It's not just the theory. Yeah, it, it looks just like a felled tree. Yeah. So, do you believe there is an effort to conceal the history, or do you think that we just don't? We just oh, don't I think know. there's a concerted effort to conceal all of all of the real history. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Do you yeah, have any it's, inkling it's a, of why that would be? Yeah. So <laughs> tell us. It's a lot easier to control people <laughs> if they don't know the nature of the reality that they live in. You know, mm-hmm. if they don't even know the basics of what's under underneath their feet. Yeah. Then so this is I'm just going to show you this is a quartz quartz vein and you can see that the the tree is producing the quartz. Oh, this yeah. is this is petrified sap. Wow. Gold is found in quartz veins, so you know the the ancient miners, the giants who terraformed and built all of the great architecture have probably you know disposed of these trees in harvesting their their materials uh and then you have decomposition as well so this is how it breaks down a regular tree mm-hmm. this is what the bark looks like mm-hmm. so I'll get to the here we go we're getting into more so this is a quartz vein and this is where they'll mine for gold okay. and other materials in in quartz veins and this is the sap of the the great trees you find mica in it and all of the other elements are in there or many of the other elements mm-hmm. um so this is sounding a lot like avatar here <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it was, it was except avatar. the was avatar wild. people were the humans and the humans were god knows who <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that hollywood is constantly showing us our true past in fiction and fairy tale and, mm-hmm. and getting us to believe that mm-hmm. oh it, it would be, oh it's so wonderful you know i mean there's a reason avatar was the number one film you know, number one grossing film. I think it's part of our our DNA. Mm-hmm. We are. We are remembering. But I mean, maybe. here to me, this is what I call self-evident proof. You have to be blind not to see that it, this it is, is it true. Is, it is hard, and, and and you know, I've seen these things. Not not the pictures, but when I'm out in nature, I've seen things like this, and I was like, it's just, I don't know, it just looks weird. It, it, it this looks more like a a tree. It does not look like a rock formation. And and uh, when you study through these photos, I mean, it just really hammers it home. So in a tree knot, you're going to have sap, right? And the sap can bead up, and it can actually stick out of the knot. Mm-hmm. You know, as it bleeds out of the tree. Yeah. And that's going to form little balls, and um, and but in this case, you know, it's still sitting in in its place where it formed, mm-hmm. formed right there, and you can see it continues here. This is all quartz, and I mean, if if you can't see that, that's wood, and that is not some kind of sedimentary layering. Yeah, I can't help you. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know. People, people will willfully deny this over and over again because it doesn't match the mainstream narrative. And I would go back to that quote that Leonardo da Vinci had, you know, that we had at the beginning, which is if, if the empirical evidence doesn't match the narrative, stick with the evidence, Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Throw out the, ba- the bogus theory if it doesn't work with what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that applies the, to a lot the, of Yeah, Earth the bogus shape, theory makes the money, right? So I, I would be really stuff. interested in your dad looking at like oh, those photos sure. and, and, and just getting, you know, his uh, unabridged, uh, you know, because he somewhat believes in some of the fantastical, right? I mean, he just is hesitant to... Uh, to talk about it would be really intriguing be hard to... for him you know i think when you go to school yeah. for something it's the indoctrination is a little deeper yeah yeah well that's true and that's where the paradigm blindness comes in and, yeah and uh 
you know, and then a lot of people who are experts in one field are afraid to comment about things that they think are weird in another field because they recognize I'm not an expert in that field. Yeah. So then you get the compartmentalization, you get the, the, um, you know, the specialists all like basically in a little circle talking amongst themselves, but you don't get this, this cross disciplinary pollinization of, right. of, of thought and of ideas and an exchange, you know, we need to be far more dynamic in, in how we do things, but we also be, need to be willing to throw out the main, the, the major portions of the paradigm. Yeah. And unfortunately that's not the way academia works. It builds on what came before and you've got tenured professors and you've got the whole flow of money that's, that's, um, you know, basically polluting what should be true, uh, research it's yeah. all you know especially in the medical field it's all been so irre irrevocably you know polluted by the pharmaceutical industry yeah that yeah. you know and then rockefeller did away with so much of the natural medicine uh you know and it's taken it's taken a hundred years basically to get us to this point um, mm -hmm. where people have, are just rejecting the healthiest stuff in favor of the most poisonous I, and i, and I just want to say this is how it breaks and then you have this this thin veneer, but you can see when it's broken, that has broken away. It's still exhibiting. Yeah. You know, some might think this is pet is vitrification where it's because of whatever hit the tree that it started to melt. I don't think so. This is just how those little pieces cleave and break. They have these natural break points when it decomposes, you can see them breaking down like that. So I think that that break point actually breaks away and then it reveals the grain. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty obvious when, when you see it. So so here's an example of a bit of quartz on the grain and look at the beauty of this piece oh, here. Wow. So beautiful. Amazing. Yeah. Um so you know that is maybe 50, 75 feet across. And it's exactly wow. what we saw in those little pieces, identical. And you can see the just the quartz is growing everywhere. And this is this is why I love Hangman's footage because it's just undeniable when you have the eyes to see, mm -hmm. and and you just have to be willing to put aside, you know, for a period of time, what what we were taught, and recognize that maybe you know maybe there's geologists that are specifically trying to mislead, but I think mm -hmm. most of them have have grown up in this paradigm of that's pareidolia. It looks that way because. There's this morphogenic resonance and things take on particular forms. And that's why the rocks have this harp shape. And that's why this looks like a tree. It all looks like something, but it isn't that something. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's you know, it's kind of like the earth is moving under your feet, but you can't feel it because it's too big. And the horizon is curved, but you can't <laughs> see it because it's too big. Right. And, you know, gas pressure exists. And viruses exist. Vacuum. But they're too you know, small to see it. Without a barrier because of gravity you know it's like yeah. it, it's just like you're always having i mean look at this yeah. tell me this isn't self-evident yeah <laughs> it's yeah. pretty wild i'm definitely gonna have to you put know, a disclaimer then, on this episode at the beginning that they're that people are going to need to watch the episode because <laughs> there's so many good visual representations yes. that are not going to come through in the audio version i'll do yeah. that okay. yeah it doesn't work for audio very well yeah so my I last can do, i can Go do ahead. audio interviews also but you wanted to see stuff. yeah oh, no we want to see it it's great okay so for my last yeah. question for you because i don't want to sure. i know it's late where you are and it's early where we are um your thoughts on this realm so it might not 
be completely flat. We're, as you said, globe skeptic. I'm globe skeptic too. Um, But if you were, I would. Personally, (laughs) I think we're in a toroid. That's my that's my best guess. Okay. So what is a toroid? If you if you go back to the heart, let's see if I I could I could play that video. It all goes back to the heart. (laughs) It all goes back to the heart. I think so. Definitely. Um, Here we go. The heart. So. Yeah, no audio. Pushes blood through a mind-boggling. The heart is wrong. Most everyone. There's that twist I was talking about. Can you see that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so watch as it contracts. Day. That's why Even doctors still believe the heart to, the to be a four-chamber pump. And they curve on the underside because of the same, the same action. Pushes blood through a mind-boggling 60,000 miles of narrowing blood vessels to fuel our 40 trillion cell. Station. All right, Theory, so the, cardiac, back in thousand hearts, again. true structure. The heart's far more There's amazing than we ever knew. Bottom. It's like a rope a l- be- being pushed. The blood is pulled through the heart right, in so two spots. So, the blood is being pulled through the heart. It's vortexing, mm-hmm. and I and I believe it's it's basically it's a, it's two it's two dual opposite vortex. Opposite this has been proven with CAT scans, functional MRI, and positronic. You can see, it's it's you know they're they're blowing it up here, and here you can see the the spiral contraction. So there's no Mission. doubt about this. Look it's at the spiraling contraction. It changes everything we know and about see the, the you know they're they're illustrating this as. The heart is a singularity, and we know that the electromagnetic field extends a meter in, in every direction mm-hmm. outside of the body. Mm-hmm. So isn't it interesting? They wanted us to all stay two meters apart and cover our faces. Yeah. Heart in circulation. If you'd like to know more, check. So I think that the heart is a vortex. I think that if cells exist, I'm not sure cells exist. That might sound utterly absurd, but you have to watch mm-hmm. my my interview with Tom Cowan to understand why I'm, I'm pondering that. Yeah, we're um, skeptical but, too. Yeah. So I, I think what's being found on a lot of x-rays is not um, cells, but it's artifacts of the process of ob- observing the cells, mm-hmm. all the stains, the damaging of the tissue, mm-hmm. changing of temperatures. There's all these different steps that they go through in order to be able to be able to see what they're showing us mm-hmm. and that those steps in and of themselves can create gas bubbles they can create all kinds of things that we might be observing on the microscope and saying look there's the cells there's yeah. the tissue so it, i think it's far more com- oh we lost him again we've got, we've got it as a communicative network out these tricks. videos and uh so i think um because of what i what i've learned about magnetics and um, um, the you know the way the the magnetic field is and the, the central portion of the magnet and and the, I can just show it real quick. It's, it's so much better if you can see it. Um, electric. So this is what the electromagnetic field looks like, mm-hmm. and I think that we live on this. Wow. And then this is our north pole, and I think that things are spiraling in. And spiraling out and looping back around and this is what's giving us our aurora borealis and this is how all magnets are this is how the heart is working if you get into plasma physics it's the same way you can you can do this with magnets inside of a vacuum chamber i recommend people check out something called the primer fields spelled p-r-i-m-e-r okay and there's there's a three-part series that will blow your mind and all the stuff that NASA is supposedly f- seeing out in space with their telescopes mm-hmm. is stuff that can be recreated in a laboratory 
with magnets and plasma physics. So you really? run electricity through the noble gases inside of a, of a pressurized chamber with magnets, and it creates all of that, all of the same stuff that NASA is showing us when it comes to nebulae and, and whatnot. Wow. So I don't, I don't believe anything coming out of NASA anymore. I think we live in something more like this, or maybe wow. something like this, you know, a big Tesla plasma ball. Mm -hmm. um, this would be looking at it from above, these centrifugal, centripetal forces and, and the, the um, you know, the singularity at the center. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's, an, that's my answer. Um, that's I like fantastic. it. That's fantastic. Hey, Mike, Mike, let me, let me ask, let me do my final question. <laughs> we'll be right at about two hours for the episode, but you know, the name of your channel, Stellium 7, I, I, I saw Stellium. I, I saw Stellium in astrology means like if you have three planets in one house, what, what does that mean yeah. for you? Yeah, that's, I grew up with astrology in the house. My mom was an astrologer and she started studying astrology when she learned about it, uh, when she was pregnant with me. And one wow. of the things that really motivated her to learn more was that she wanted to try to understand more about her, her child that was about to be born at the moment of you know birth and to look at the chart to, to better understand my, my spiritual fingerprint, so to speak, mm -hmm. you know. And um, so I grew up with that. I've studied a lot of astrology over the years myself. And in my natal chart, I have five planets in the seventh house. Oh, wow. And um, there's also a, a system that's a combination of astrology, the tarot, and numerology called, um, uh, the name escapes me right now, but there's a book called The, the, um, the, the Sacred Symbols of the Ancients, and it, it's a very difficult to find book now. But basically, it breaks down each of the birthdays. And, and it assigns a playing card to mm -hmm. birthday. So like from, you know, ace to king and the four suits plus the joker. So my um, my card is the seven of clubs. Okay. And um, I, um, I've always loved the number seven. It was my favorite number. And yeah, so so I had an email address for a very long time that, that had that. And I just, when I was trying to figure out what to call my channel, that was what I went for. Gotcha. No, I, I just had to ask because we, I mean, I, I'm a fan of astrology, but uh, we've got a friend of ours that we've had on the podcast a couple of times, Robert Phoenix. And, and uh, um, I, I noticed when I looked up the, the name of yours, because I just thought that would be a good question, that it was related to astrology. And I didn't know that. Um, Definitely. So, yeah. so very cool. But hey, we, we really. Planning a, a stream that I'm going to do shortly called the, it's, it's going to be a synchronicity stream where I'm just talking about a whole lot of different synchronicity. Oh, I forgot to mention Francisco Torrent Guasp. Uh -huh. He lived and worked his entire career out of his home in a private family practice 15 minutes from me. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That is that so, is wild. So what, what are the odds? What are the that? odds? Well, that was the other thing I was going to say is you, you you have to think about you know are are you know the 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 um, you being the person you know that's bringing a lot of this forward you know mm -hmm. and, and and your purpose and it, it it really makes it powerful as well. Yeah, in your call to Casa yeah. uh, Costa Blanca, right? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. And, and what is that? <laughs> different that's cthulhu i think is how it's pronounced and this is you know 
one of the gods of destruction. You've got Medusa as well. Mm-hmm. And oh, she turned for? everything to stone. Turning things to stone. So I think this might be a metaphor for these periodic, you know, events that that hit our realm. Um, you know, and do they? Some people theorize that this is melt. Others say that they were carved into. I don't know, but that's a whole other rabbit hole. Oh, very cool. yes. Oh There's, my gosh. You know, this is the Grand Canyon from the sky, and it looks very much like what's known as a Lichtenberg figure, which are these fractal patterns, like our our lungs, trees all grow in this fashion, but also electricity mm-hmm. creates this this sort of a thing. So there's a good one to finish with. That's very amazing. Cool. Well, hey, we really appreciate you taking the time with us. It's been a very eye-opening conversation. What and a ride. Yeah, what a ride. And we my, appreciate- My pleasure. Thank you for the, uh, the invite. To- yeah. We appreciate what you're doing. Keep doing it, and we will uh, stay tuned in. Oh, ask, how can people support you? Oh, yeah, how, how, how can people support you? Um, there's a Patreon uh, account on the liner notes of all my videos. Um, yeah, I, sometimes I do a live stream and people donate there. Cool. Um, we will link to that. Patreon, Bitcoin, I think there's in each one of the videos on YouTube, if you just click on notes, you know, it's got information of how you can contact me, the, the Telegram channel, and um, yeah. I, I, we will put all those in the show yeah, notes. amazing. And don't miss, we didn't talk about it at all, but don't miss the uh, the Unveiling a Titan series because that is a mind blow, and that's how it all began. So we kind of went backwards. And we that's, went backwards. And that, ti- that Titans <laughs> yeah. one's going to be, that's going to be on all your channels, or is it just on, on a specific one? Yeah, well, the other channels you mentioned, Rumble and BitChute, I haven't even gotten to updating those. Odyssey is pretty good because it up it, it syncs with YouTube. Okay. But it, it doesn't sync the videos that are over two hours. Some of my best videos were the ones that were done live. I went up to the Eye of Mont Go live. I've been out in the field collecting the Heartstones live. Those are on, under the live tab, um, which a lot of people don't even know exists on YouTube. So... If you if you click on the live tab, then you can see some of the best the best videos are there. Very cool. The best is stealing. Well, thank you so much, Mike. We'll uh, let you uh, get to bed now, as it's late where you're at. But uh, keep doing what you're so doing. Late. Oh, it's 9/11. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> we, we should barely. talk a little bit longer. Yeah. We don't want to end on that. Exactly. <laughs> Emergency. Yeah. But uh, thank you, thank you again for the invite. And thank you, Mike. Next appreciate it Bye. Until next time all right another uh very very interesting interview with I mike wilkerson change forever all right you're gonna go out look for some heartstones immediately of course out. it's snowing yeah, now so you can't see the rocks today. for a while but this spring is going to give you something to do oh, no yeah. no it's very good it, it was uh you knew more about it than i did going in uh, but i found it very int- intriguing some of those stones he had were wild you know my favorite part though was the the realm oh yeah yeah so so now he gives us something else to kind of look at a little yes. bit we got to look at that i don't know if that's something he uh uh is just thinking or if there's a, a... we'll definitely be doing a part two because i want to hear more about yeah, the titans we started a lot of conversations yes. and we didn't get to wrap up but uh he he had a wealth of information to to walk through so yeah definitely a part two maybe in a few months or something mm-hmm. and we'll we'll see where he's at but he's got that series coming out um the the titan series where mm-hmm. he's going to be talking about the uh large um well titans if you will yes we'll share it in the show notes we'll share the links and uh i think that probably wraps us up 
Fabi, what do you want to tell everybody? Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy, stay safe, and stay curious. And smash that like button. <laughs>